Well, welcome to our third week of our 40 Days of Community. Remember, uh, what we've been doing over the last several weeks is, uh, actually we've been doing uh, two things over six weeks in, I guess it's fully ten groups, which is as many people engaged in this as we had uh, last time around. Actually, we've got just four weeks left, but we've been deepening our relationships within our church through our small groups. And also, we've been extending our relationships around our church, and we'll be doing that through our small groups as well, strengthening the community within the church family and reaching out in love to the community uh, around our church family. This is part of our year of going passionately, as most of you know, and so we're building on what we did last year when we focused on uh, being a caring community. Uh, a caring community, and we're doing it together. The whole idea here is achieving a kind of a synergy together, kind of like a logs and a fire, because God says He wants us to do life together, to go through life together, not as solitary Christians, and that's because we're better together, far better. According to the Scripture, we're stronger together, we're, uh, and we're going to see in our groups that we're more fruitful together as we go shoulder to shoulder, as we go passionately into Summit County and the world. And you can sum it up in this way. Together, we grow better into all God wants us to be. It's like John Wesley said, there's nothing that can become more unchristian than a solitary Christian. And you want to become all God wants you to be? Well, plug yourself into a caring community where they help you to grow. And today I'd like to talk just about that very simply as I've titled this message, How We Help Each Other Grow. Each week we're looking at different aspects of our life together and how we stir it up. How we help each other grow together. Just like it says in 1 Thess 5.11, encourage each other and build each other up. I'm really excited about this message from God's Word because you can apply it in so many different ways to so many different relationships. You can use it to help your boyfriend grow, believe it or not. You can use it to help your girlfriend grow, your husband, your wife. You can use it to help your kids grow, the people you work with. You can use it in your small group. God's Word is so practical. How we help each other grow together. First, the first way may be the most powerful, and that is the decision to love other people, to help them grow by, and here it is, affirming each other's worth. This is huge in the Scripture. By affirming each other's worth. Here's a little secret if you haven't figured this out in life. Everybody is looking for affirmations. Everybody. I don't care who you're talking even NFL pro players, they're wondering what you're thinking about them, what their families are thinking, what their coach is thinking. They're looking for attaboy. They need it as much as anybody if you interview them privately. Have you ever noticed that everybody is looking for affirmation and people do almost anything to get it? If you don't believe that, just watch some of the reality shows. You know, look at what people do to get affirmation on TV, to get just any kind of attention uh, on uh, TV, to get affirmed. They'll eat worms, they'll do whatever, just so people will applaud you. It gets pretty ridiculous sometimes. When you and I affirm other people, we're showing love in an incredibly powerful way. And so important is this that the Scripture gives us several ways to do it. And today I'll be unpacking these several ways um, to affirm others. 
And uh, as I've been doing that this week, there's one person that's come to mind who really uh, glows here. And his name, he's actually with us here today. His name is Mark Hill. He's our new uh, youth pastor. And uh, I'd like to welcome him. He's going to be... So just think of him, and I don't have to say anything more, but I'll unpack it a little bit, but we'll be talking to him at the end, just kind of getting up to date on his life and interviewing him, and then you'll be able to interact after the service. But uh, four ways, the Scripture says, we can affirm other people's worth. One, you affirm other people's worth by just showing acceptance. Very basic, but very powerful. By showing acceptance. You do what the Bible says in Romans 15, 7, like we saw uh, a few months ago. In fact, we spent a a whole week on just this one. Accept one another. Remember that? Romans 15, 7. Accept one another just like Christ accepted you. Show acceptance. Instead of choosing, you know, to snub people or to belittle them or to demean them, which is a pretty easy choice to make. Especially, you know, if you're having a bad day. If I'm having a bad day, it can be, feel good to put other people down so they can have a bad day too, because misery loves company. And so I'll pull you down to my level. But when you make the choice instead to lift other people up, you can have an incredible uh, impact you know, in their lives. It's easy to look down on people. It's easy to act like you're better than other people. There's a a couple of things that really make that really, really easy these days. For one, we're in a culture that teaches us to do that, you know, to compare everyone, to rate everything, appearance, talent, uh, income, as in mine versus yours, as in I'm up. If I'm up, then you're down, you know, and it's got to be one or the other, as in I win, you lose, as in we're a winner-takes-all culture. And you can't have it both ways. In that context, it's really easy to put other people down. And on top of that, we tend to take our strengths and compare them to other people's weaknesses. Ever notice how you do that? I sure do sometimes. We take our strengths and project them on other people and don't notice uh, that other people, uh, you know, uh, and notice how other people don't quite measure up to our standards. For instance, some people are on time all the time, and you're just that kind of a person, and this is a way of life for you, and maybe you sort of tend to look down at your, uh, look down at other people who aren't on time, or you're tidy and others are messy. Dare I ask, true confessions, how many messies do we have in this room? How many tidies? Well, I'm sure it's 50-50. Well, who knows? But actually, you don't have to tell me if you're messy. I already know. I've been in many of your houses, and you can tell. We just kind of clean it up a little bit, but it's really messy, right? You you notice. You don't say anything about it, but you see it. It makes you feel better about yourself, maybe. Let me tell you a far better way to feel better about yourself. Instead of doing it by putting other people down, one of the greatest ways to feel better about yourself, paradoxically, is to lift other people up. It can give you a thrill like nothing else. Bible says in Romans 14.10, Why do you look down on another Christian? Remember, each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. This is a warning. You look down on other people, watch out. God's going to judge you. You judge other people, God will judge you. The point of this verse is, Who am I, who are you to look down on other believers? That's a God thing. You're putting yourself in the position of God. 
That's God's business. And when we make it our business, it becomes Satan's business. Because that's what Satan does. He's the accuser. If you're looking down at a brother or a sister or a pastor or an elder, if all you can do is paint all their warts red, you're doing Satan's work for him. And you need to ask the question, who's the reddest? It all starts with acceptance. You cannot, I cannot help someone grow and reject them at the same time. If you have a rejecting spirit, you may think your criticism, your condemnation is going to help them. But it's not. It's going to do the exact opposite. You need to accept them like Jesus accepted us. And in order to do that, bottom line, in a lot of ways, is you have to value the the God-given differences that we have rather than judging them and uniquenesses that we have. 2 Corinthians 12, 6 says, God works through different people in different ways. Thank goodness. And I'm glad He does. I'm thrilled He does. He makes us different. How can you tell when you've accepted someone? Well, here's one of the tests. You stop insisting subconsciously that they be just like you. You realize and reckon and realize and rejoice in the fact that they're different. And they're different from you. Yeah, they're weaker, but that means they've got strengths that are better than you in that area of your weakness. And you rejoice in that. The truth of the matter is, the world would be a boring place if everyone were just like you, thank goodness. Or me, thank goodness even more so. So God made us all in different ways to do all sorts of different things so all of us, so everything can get done in this world, so we can be complete as a church and not skewed by one personality mix or another. He wants us to help people discover who God made them to be, to help people recognize it. And so to do that, we affirm their uniqueness. I don't know, last time you looked at someone and said, hey, I noticed you're really good at this. If you have someone you tend to criticize because you're so different or whatever, try flipping it around and saying, think about what they're good at. It's easy to look at somebody and say, you're bad at that. That's easy. That's lazy. That's the natural bent of the flesh. You're not being smart. Anybody can notice that. But when was the last time you put a little energy and effort into a relationship where you could look at somebody and say, you're really good at that. I wish I were stronger. Thank you that you're strong. That means I don't have to be that way in this body or this small group or this family because together we're whole. We all need each other. You don't know the difference that can make in somebody's life. Someone said that people are not like clay to be molded by us nearly as much as they're like gifts to be unfolded. And so often people unfold, they blossom by you're just noticing them positively. Which leads us to the second thing, too. You affirm other people's worth not just by showing acceptance, but, and these are very basic, uh, uh, like last week, it's not rocket science, not just by showing acceptance, but by showing attention. Attention. This this takes more time than acceptance. You can accept somebody and still ignore them. (laughs) I accept you 
you know, you can say I accept you, but for all practical purposes, you can say, but stay out of my life. So you can disregard people. You can overlook them. The Bible says in Genesis 6.10, give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Attention. Why do they get special attention? Well, it's one of the benefits, it's supposed to be, of, of, of being in God's family. Why? Here's the general principle. Whatever you pay attention to is going to grow. Whatever you pay attention to is going to grow. There's another way we help people grow. If I pay attention to my garden, Mary Ellen is going to grow, Right? At least sometimes. I don't know. I don't do very well. I've got a black thumb. But I hear you've got a great garden. I can't wait to see it. It's going to grow. The only principle that where this doesn't work is, is with my hair, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, obviously, <laughs> I say no more. But uh, the more attention I used to pay to it, the more it would fall out, right? So save yourself the money if you're starting to lose it and just let it go. What's the greatest gift of love? Well, it's not diamonds, it's not flowers, it's not chocolate, it's not toys, it's not an iPhone to keep your five-year-old busy, right? Which, which some people or parents are doing these days. It's amazing how intuitive little kids are when it comes to that kind of thing. But no, the greatest gift of love that you can give to anyone is focused attention. You can affirm people just by, by, you know, looking them in the eye, as basic as that. And just by looking them in the eye, you're saying, I value you. Try that with your wife as she talks. What people want more than anything else is focused attention. They want to know that their thoughts matter, that their lives matter to someone, that they're valuable. that you're focusing on them, just like God does with us. He pays attention to us. Jesus says that the essence of relationships is not, is not what we do for each other, important though that may be. It's not, uh, uh, it, uh, it, it's not even what we give to each other, provide for each other. The essence of relationships is how much of ourselves, ourselves we give, which is focused attention. One of the greatest things that keeps us from doing this, I think these days, is television slash internet, right? The average American now watches and or looks or plays on their computer five to six hours a day. That's over 30 hours a week. That's 1,560 hours a year. 1,560 hours is the equivalent of spending 97 days straight at 16 hours a day doing nothing but sitting in front of the TV or the computer. No wonder we don't have time for relationships. And I'm telling you, 300 friends on Facebook is not a relate does not a relationship make. I was amazed way back when friends are on. How many of you ever listened to friends in the when was that? The 70s, 80s? I won't date myself, but when Friends was on, people would rather watch Friends, you know, than make friends. And they would regularly, religiously spend an hour every night watching reruns, but they wouldn't think of spending an hour every night making a friend. They'd rather watch somebody else live a fake life, you know, than them live a real life. Same with reality TV these days. 
There was a book that came out years ago called Starving for Attention. It uh, was about uh, anorexia. My, uh, most relationships, though, are starving for attention. So let me ask you, who do you tend to overlook? Who's often, it's often the people closest to you. Who do you tend to overlook, not give enough attention to? Is it, you know, uh, receptionist at work? Do you overlook the secretary there, the male person? Who's the person in your life there all the time, but you just don't see them because you're just too busy doing something else? Kids? Is it your parents? Maybe your kids. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to look for opportunities to show attention to some key people in your life, whoever God brings to mind, to, to pay attention. That's the greatest gift of love you can give. Don't just wait for it to happen. Make opportunities to show attention and then you know, schedule time to make it happen. Here's the third practical way that you can help people grow by affirming their worth. Your husband, your wife, boyfriend, anybody. Third, you affirm other people's worth not only by showing acceptance and attention, but by showing affection. Showing them affection. I'm talking about the physical touch. You know, we read about these babies. You've probably heard of the failure, what is it called? The failure to thrive syndrome. This means that little infants, if they're not stroked, if they're not caressed, if they're not touched as they grow up, they just don't develop. They don't thrive. They don't learn how to walk. They learn how to talk. They just stay stunted. They don't grow the way God intended them to grow. Babies have to be touched. I think that's why God made them so soft, right? They're just asking to be touched. You want to touch them. You want to nuzzle them. You want to hold them close. They, they need the stimulation of their skin in order to grow, in order to develop. And most people know that. Without it, you get the failure to thrive syndrome. But what most people don't know is that, that adults need it too. And just as profound a way, UCLA did a study a while back and discovered that to be a healthy and fulfilled and satisfied adult, you need 10 meaningful touches every day. You know, all the way from handshakes to hugs to pats on the back to a little squeeze. You're made for being touched. Whether, whether you ever marry or not, whether you ever have sex or not, you need touches in your life in order to grow, in order for you to be all that God wants you to be. And that's a good part of what the body of Christ can provide rather than just living in some neighborhood where you kind of know your neighbors and you know a few people at work, but that's about it. Of course, there are different ways to hug. The first kind of hug is what men do when they're kind of scared to hug. And I, I, don't, know, I don't know why we instinctively do this, at least I do. You know, where it's, it's called the three-pat hug or maybe the two-pat hug. <laughs> While you're patting, you know, you, you say this in your mind, I'm not a sissy, let's get this over. We're men. You know? It's like, okay, if we're going to have to hug, let's at least be manly about it. Another kind of hug is, is the Hollywood hug. The Hollywood hug is when you find, you know, you kind of kiss the air on either side, looking over your shoulder to see if there's any someone more famous you can go after, someone more popular in the church or whatever. Romans 12.10 says, Love one another 
with brotherly affection. It's talking about the purity of what can be physical affection, brotherly, sisterly affection as members of one family. We're family. We're all in the family of God. You're my sister. You're my brothers. Brothers and sisters show affection for for each other. You've, you've got to show it, not just say it. It's not just enough to say, tell me, or to, uh, to say you love them. They need to feel it. And you, if you love others in God's family, you need to show it. So make a habit of hugging. In our first senior pastor, a church where we were, uh, where I was a senior pastor, we had a sign over the doors, hugs accepted here. <laughs> As you walked in, maybe we ought to do that here. I've thought about that many times. But the, you guys were already in the habit of it when we got here. I, th- I think that's probably why we didn't. And, um, but of hugging, touching, giving a firm grip, a pat on the back, a squeeze on the shoulder, boy. Whatever it takes just to give them a word of encouragement that says, I love you, we're together in this. It, it's not enough just to say it. People need to be touched. They need, they need hugs. So this week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to all go over the county, all over the county, and hug everybody. And, and if they think you're, you're really weird, just say, Mark Hill told you to, told you to do it. <laughs> here's the fourth way. Fourth, you affirm other people's worth in a Mark Hill kind of way, in a Christ-like kind of way, by showing acceptance, by showing attention, by showing affection, and then lastly, but not leastly, by showing appreciation. Showing appreciation. We affirm each other's worth with appreciation. If you think about it, think in economic terms, okay? (laughs) Appreciation means to raise in value, doesn't it? When someone appreciates, it raises in value. When a house appreciates up, it its value goes up, right? Lots of luck there these days. So, in lieu of being able to do that with houses, why not do it with people instead? It's far cheaper. You help people appreciate by appreciating them. So, it's almost a miracle. You help people literally appreciate and value by appreciating them. Every time you appreciate someone, you raise their value to you and to others, even to themselves. When you appreciate your wife, you raise her value in her eyes and in your eyes. When you appreciate your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or a friend, you raise their value. When you appreciate your kids, you raise their value. When you appreciate your small group, you raise its value to you. Everything you appreciate increases in value. Appreciation is the secret of appreciation. The Bible says, brothers and sisters, appreciate those who work hard among you, who lead you in the Lord and who teach you. When's the last time you thanked a Sunday school teacher around here or thanked Annika for all that she does with your kids? Uh, Today, when this service is over, before you leave church, try to find three people to appreciate. Say, thank you for teaching my kids. Thank you 
Thank the ushers. Thank the greeters. Thank Bill Spear for decades of faithful teaching. So the first way we help each other grow is by affirming each other's worth, which means showing acceptance, showing attention, showing affection, and showing appreciation. Now, just take a few minutes with your eyes closed, and I'm going to do this too. Ask God to call to mind, above all the people you've been thinking about, the one person that you need to do this most consistently with. How are you going to affirm their worth in these ways? By showing acceptance, attention, affection, appreciation. How are you going to do it and when? Now, according to Scripture, there's another way we can all help each other grow, and I'm going to close with this one. I think if you were to lay out all the verses of Scripture about the one another passages that have to do with helping each other grow, you could put two things at the very top. The first that we've already talked about, affirming each other's worth. And the second at the very top of the list is this, that I've seen this work miracles over the years, and that is praying for each other's growth. We help each other grow by affirming each other's worth. And secondly, and there are several others you could put under that, but secondly, and but not least, praying for each other's growth. That happens so uniquely and so powerfully, and it can happen so regularly in the body of Christ. In a lot of ways, it's what we're all about, praying for each other's growth. You do what the guy named Epaphras did in Colossians 4.12. Paul wrote, Epaphras always prays for you that you will grow to be spiritually mature. You could lift that guy's name up above all the Scripture and say he did one of the most important things you can do for any brother or sister in Christ. You can pray that they will grow to be spiritually mature. That's a prayer that God always answers. I love the fact that, he, that Epaphras prayed for people's growth. We usually pray for people's needs, you know, for, for uh, health needs, financial needs, and we should, but we don't spend nearly as much time praying for people's spiritual growth, that our character would change. But that's what's going to last. That's what we're going to carry with us into heaven and that'll shine in glory for all eternity. I think one of the reasons probably is we don't know what to pray about. How would I pray for somebody's spiritual growth? Well, what I do is uh, I've got a stack of cards that are uh, called script. Uh, I call scripture cards. A passage of scripture just uh, pasted on to cards that I'll go through that have to do with things that God tells me to pray for you guys. All that have to do with growth. And then the pictorial directory, I've got cut up in each face into a little card. And if I don't have, you're not in the pictorial directory, I'll just write your name down. And I'll go back and forth between faces and I'll bring them into my heart. Feel God's love for them, lift them up to God. And then I'll pray God's word for that family, for that individual. And there's a synergy between the recognition of the face and the power of God's word. And that's, those are prayers that God always answers. And I know many of you do this kind of thing, too. It's one of the hallmarks of our congregation. And it's a very good thing. 
So how do you do pray for people's growth? Well, fortunately, the Bible is full of, of verses about how to pray for people growing spiritually. So I thought we'd spend just a few minutes doing what these verses say. Let me share some of the ones that I've prayed with you. And as I do, pray for them right now, maybe for your small group or for your husband or wife or brother or sister or someone that uh, you love. Let me share these verses with you and let's pray for them, um, whoever God calls to mind. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. Who could you pray this verse for? I pray that you'll be able to feel and understand how long, wide, and high Christ's love really is and experience this love for yourself. Powerful verse. Who do you know that needs, to, that needs God's love in their life right now, that may be struggling a bit? Bring them to mind and say, God, show them your love. Let them know today how much you really love them. I've got a feeling that these prayers are, we're praying right now will do a lot more than anything I could say today. That's the power prayer makes in people's lives. Hebrews 13, 21, I pray that you will always be eager to do what is right. That's the will of God. He says, if you pray according to my will, I'll do it. I pray that you will always be eager to do what is right. Parents, why don't you pray like that for your kids? That they not only do what is right, that they would be eager to do the right thing. Not because it's your faith, not legalistically, it's, but it's in their heart. Pray for them right now. For some friends, somebody at work, God give them integrity. Bring them to mind. Or Romans fifteen thirteen, one of my favorites. I pray God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust Him. Who wouldn't like some hope in their lives? Or who doesn't need more joy and peace in their lives? You see, the foundation of it all is that they trust Him. So say, God, I know somebody who needs some hope. Help them to trust You during this difficult time. Isn't that better than any answer to the difficult times? Don't just take it away. Teach them to trust You. I know somebody who needs some joy. Help them to trust you so that their heart can be lifted up, so their heart can be lightened up. Just bring their name to mind right now. Or Ephesians 1.17, I pray God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Who do you know that's facing a decision? Ask God to give them his wisdom right now. He says he'll give it if we ask. Any of you lack wisdom, just ask and I'll give it. Pray on their behalf. Pray for their growth and wisdom. Or 2 Thess 3, 5. Maybe someone else will come to mind here. I pray the Lord will guide you to be as loving as God and as patient as Christ. Has anyone got that down yet? <laughs> Is anyone here as loving as God? Anyone here as patient as Christ? He's not saying this in a demanding, shame on you way. He's saying it, look, look how far we can go with this. Let's pray that for one another. We're just not there yet. We can pray for each other that we'll grow the rest of our lives to get closer to that. What greater gift could I give you as a pastor than to pray that into your life? 
Who needs some of God's love? Who needs some patience in their lives right now? Pray that verse for them. Bring their names to mind right now. Or maybe you know someone who feels pretty overwhelmed by life. Who do you know that maybe doesn't feel like they're going to make it or feels like they're having to do everything on their own energy or their own power? Pray this for them. Ephesians 3.16 I pray that God may strengthen you with power through His Holy Spirit. Bring their name to mind and say, God, help them to know they're not alone today. Give them strength and power that they know is from you. Make their faith real in what they're going through. We just prayed individually for a lot of people. And there's power in that. But if you think about it, there's even more power when we do that together, which is what our groups are all about. Not just during 40 days, but all through the year. There's power in praying together. When you get in a group of other people and pray, and I want to encourage you to really go for that this week, not just to do a little perfunctory prayer at the end. Maybe start your groups with the prayer time and not just talk about all sorts of prayer items, but just literally pray for each other. Let's do that all together. Pray for each other's spiritual growth in these ways. Well, I must close. Bottom line, when we go passionately, as we'll be doing this year, and bring them back in, we grow, then we grow by being a truly caring community. A caring community that affirms each other's worth. That's how we grow by showing acceptance, attention, affection, and appreciation. Because according to Scripture, we grow through affirmation. But the Scripture also teaches we go grow through supplication. Those are the two things, affirmation, supplication. We grow through supplication by an intimacy with God that cares enough to lift one another up to Him when they don't even see it. And when you have these two together, especially on staff, you have a prescription for a synergy of growth. You really do. Because like I began by saying, in so many ways, we are better together. Aren't we, Mark? Amen. Why don't you come on down? And one of these mics, I am told, is for you. Oh, you've been told too. Good. Well, I don't know, but uh, I, I would call this a sight for sore eyes, right? And so, good to see you. Brother. Mark, it's good to be back. It's good to have you. I thought we'd just take a little time to get reacquainted. So maybe you can start by telling us a little of what you've been doing over the last year or right. so. Get us up to speed. And yeah, we, of course, went down to Denver. I lost my voice some here, so work with me, people. Thank you. But uh, we went to Denver for a couple of years. And then this last year in particular, we've been out in the Palm Springs Valley of California and uh, doing a ministry called Safe Families for Children. We've taken uh, teenagers into our home of families who are in some kind of crisis and cared for them during a period of time and then 
reconnected them back with their family. And my main role was to go to the churches in the valley, go to the care providers in the valley, connect them with this resource as an opportunity for the families. And it's been very exciting. And it kind of ran its one-year course, and it's been a good time. And then we started a conversation back with Elm Community Church, which, to be honest with you, I never dreamed would be an option again. Uh, But we were very, very excited for the opportunity then to transition from that ministry back into this ministry here. That's right. And we are excited to Tell us a little bit about your call to come back into youth ministry here at DCC. And, of course, in that ministry over this last year, I've had traumatized teenagers in my home all year long. And it was a reminder to me that that's a primary thing for me is the ability, all these four points you just went through, that idea to show mutual respect, to connect with teenagers in troubled scenarios goes a thousand miles into bringing some opportunities for them to reevaluate, to to kind of redefine, recalibrate some things. And so in that process, I realized, boy, youth ministry is who I am and what I do. Actually, it doesn't matter what ministry I'm a part of. I function as if it's youth ministry. That's just, it's all youth ministry to me. And so when the opportunity came back up to come back here, I really felt a strong sense. For one thing, I got a very simple voice from God that was, go back. So that was very powerful. And I also got this sense, I've never felt like our story was finished here, like our conversation had completed and that was the end of it and we're done. And so the opportunity to come back here, I feel a very strong sense of we're, we're coming back here, we're getting back into it and bring some energy and some hope and some passion and some excitement and enthusiasm and I'm very excited about that. Okay, the one word that comes to mind after you're saying that is uh, when. When. <laughs> Tell us about the timeline and your transition back. This has been a great weekend to reconnect with some people and have some opportunities to start some things, and uh, very exciting. But we will land here the week of Thanksgiving by land. I mean, we'll be coming. We're loading up the truck and moving away from Beverly. That's what we're doing. So we'll be coming back here. Uh, We'll probably leave California around the 18th of November and then get back in here the very beginning of Thanksgiving week. If you'd want to come and help us get things going, that would be awesome. We're going to land in the parsonage right here, which will be phenomenal. Great way for the church to have a use of that asset and also a place for us to land, which you know can be a real big deal for a family coming back into Summit County. So that's a great blessing. Thank you very much. So that time frame is not even really a full month really until we'll be back here and, mm-hmm. and get back at it. All right. And just tell us a bit about, uh, not everyone knows the meeting that you had last night, how it went with the parents and, and the kids. And it was very exciting. And- uh, Brian and I have talked along the way, and uh, he gave me the permission. He said, why don't you start trying to reconnect? So I made phone calls, and, and Cindy Provorce helped, and Jude helped, and everybody, Annika, trying to connect and get the word out that we were going to have just a first organization kind of a, okay, here we go, kind of meeting last night. So last night we met here. There was over 40 people here. 
I was astounded at that. Thank you for your commitment to your youth. It's such a big deal. And many of those were students, and they they came and they involved themselves in the discussion. And uh, several signed up at the end to say, we'll be a part of the Youth Advisory Board, which is a very important part for me to get the parents engaged. And, of course, that'll be a big thing that I bring is that immediate connection with the parents you know, my story, we've raised boys, we've been in there and been there and done that. We want to do that with you. So that was a great sense of kickoff of getting some energy going, and I'm very excited. Well, I already have the market, Dylan Church org is already ready to go. It's dropping into my iPhone and my iPad, so you can email me anytime. I've already been getting emails from everybody, which is awesome. If you have ideas, suggestions, snide remarks, whatever you want to make, just go ahead and contact us right away. My cell phone is the same cell phone. You know you get into these AT&T contracts and you can never get out, you know, right? And so that... Uh, it's the same cell phone number, so that still is a Colorado number. So don't hesitate to contact me. Try to set up some uh, gatherings when we get back, maybe some meetings, a dinner with your family. We'd love to really just come back and connect and get some things going that will energize the youth ministry that is going on here, but really will use some organization and saying, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. All right. How about a couple of prayer requests as you transition? Yeah. Um, Thankfully, the stories are kind of wrapping up. We got a very good uh, report that the last young man in our home right now, his mom, they've been homeless for several years. Um, she has been going through a program at our local rescue mission and so been trying to get a home. And she got a job just a few weeks ago. It's the first one she's had in four years. Pretty significant thing. But they got a home. They got confirmation of that Friday. So that's a very important part of the puzzle. So basically everybody who's been in our home will transition back into a legitimate next step. That's a big thing. But pray because I do feel that sense of... Uh, I don't want them to feel abandoned like we're just driving away and uh, walking away from that. And then pray for the ability to reconnect here with the, mm-hmm. uh, the best scenarios, the, the best people that uh, will really move things forward here. Mm-hmm. And that will be great. Great. Well, why don't we pray? Yeah. Father, I just want to thank you for Mark and just for all that he brings here and for the synergy that we've had and that we will have all the more on staff to be all that you want us to be to be better together. And Father, I do pray for closure as they finish off this chapter uh, back uh, in California. Thank you for the powerful impact that they've had in the lives of many needy youth and that you would take over now from them and that uh, you would build on uh, what uh, Mark and Jenny have begun. Thank you, Father, for all that Mark and Jenny, that you've begun through them and that you've done through them here over well over a decade. We pray, Father, that you would build on that in the most powerful way and that as they come back home, Father, that they would blossom as never before and we with them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, come on down and say hi. Thank you all for coming. Have a great week.